Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started on the we ain't gonna stop. Oh, she made me feel like a god. That's when it got wheels off. Shelly Mazzanoble and Greg Tito have a new book called Dragon Talk, inspiring conversations about Dungeons and Dragons and the people who play it. It is inspired by the interviews they've done for their Dragon Talk podcast, which is part of their jobs that they hold at Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes, you guessed it, Dungeons and Dragons. I myself am a big D&D fan. I've played it since I was a little kid in the 1980s. I continue to play it to this day, and I think that it is in such a great place as a pastime, as an art form, as a community. That's a word that you're going to hear a lot in this conversation with Shelley and Greg. The Dungeons and Dragons community is vibrant and inclusive and cool and fun. And I think it's so great that they have figured out a way to make a book that's going to convey a lot of wisdom uh, under the auspices of talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And that's what we do during this interview. I talk about their own paths. I talk about what they've learned from their work with D&D and their interviews with Dragon Talk. This will be a bit of an unorthodox wheels off, as if they aren't all unorthodox. But this one will break the format a little bit because there's two guests, because we're sort of talking about a book of interviews rather than songs, poetry, stand-up comedy, whatever, maybe is a more normal wheels-off conversation, but it's all right there. It's all part of the same creative process. And Shelley and Greg have worked really hard and have been really um, inspired in their pursuit of making something great. And it's resulted in this new book, Dragon Talk. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. As I mentioned at the at the beginning, at the very end of this episode, at the beginning of the Wheels Off run two and a half years ago, I interviewed Chris Perkins, the lead storyteller, uh, the head honcho over there at Dungeons & Dragons. That's a great interview and super fun. If you are D&D inclined, I encourage you to go back and find that one. But in the meantime, here's a great conversation I was lucky to have with Shelley and Greg. Please welcome to Wheels Off, Shelley Mazzanoble and Greg Tito. Thank you. Welcome to Wheels Off, Greg Tito and Shelly Mazzanoble. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yes, thank, thank you. you for thank having you. both of us here. I know, Happy right? <laughs> and um, for uh, the edification of our listeners, from where are y'all joining in? We are like with our actual location. Yeah, the actual uh, address. Just kidding. No, the my, ad <laughs> my address is. <laughs> 
We are both calling, like, actually only from a mile apart from each other in lovely West Seattle, Washington, uh, just a neighborhood just a little bit west of downtown Seattle. And that's pretty near the Watsi headquarters? Yeah, we're about 20 minutes from from our, our offices. But our offices have really been right here in our homes for the last couple of years. <laughs> So I've gotten to go to the, <laughs> the Wizards of the Coast headquarters where, um, among other things, Dungeons and Dragons is created. It's really big and beautiful. Has it been pretty empty since the pandemic kicked in? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's some people that, that are in there. Uh, I go in maybe a couple times a month just, just to visit Mitzi, our lobby dragon, because I feel like <laughs> yeah. she's lonely and I just want to say hello and make sure she's okay. Wow. There are folks who, you know, go there on a more regular basis. Obviously, I think playtesting games like Magic yeah. the Gathering and stuff like that. It's a little bit easier to do when you're, uh, you know, uh, safely doing it in the same area. But for the functions that me and Shelly do, it makes a lot more sense just to be able to do meetings and stuff like this. And we've been doing the all of the production of our podcast, Dragon Talk, from home since March 2020, which is <laughs> kind of amazing to think about. And having appeared on there, I remember you guys were once in like a proper studio together. Yes. What well, seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? It, it really, really does. does. <laughs> but, <laughs> so long ago. But isn't it so? I know for for this Wheels Off podcast, I used to have to go to people's homes and like put a mm. clip on mic on their on Aww. their lapel, and now I just it's so much easier. But I'm really grateful because I would not otherwise be able to be in Seattle with y'all right now, and so this is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've been on tour in, uh, in places around uh, my old haunts uh, in Connecticut. Yes. I was just at a very drunken gig in New Haven, Connecticut at Cafe Nine, the historical punk rock club. Oh, That's nice. So awesome. Um, Hopefully you didn't uh, expose yourself like uh, like many folks do in New Haven. <laughs> is, oh, is that a thing? The, I only remember that from the Doors, uh, the Doors movie, uh, oh. where Jim Morrison was arrested in New Haven for for uh, public exposure. So as long as you didn't do that, uh, drunken club sounds great in New Haven. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten that that was the famous gig. I, I've interviewed for Wheels Off both of the surviving members of the Doors, oh, wow. uh, and they both brought up that New Haven incident. Now that you oh. bring it up, so now you're the third person. You're like the Jim Morrison. <laughs> I think you, I think you got to do it. I think that's what. <laughs> I think that's what the universe is telling you here. <laughs> All right. Thank God it'll be another year before I go back there. So so I know that the I imagine that the answer to this question has to do with this fantastic new book that you guys are about to drop. I wonder if you could tell me what creative project it is you're working on at the moment and how does it light y'all up? Mm, yes. Our well, like you said, we have a book releasing next month in December. It's called Welcome to Dragon Talk inspiring conversations about dungeons and dragons and the people who love to play it and it's a it's very exciting and it's a a book about the dragon talk podcast and some of the people that we've had the pleasure of getting to know and to talk to and the ways in which they have inspired us um and the ways that the creative ways that maybe they're using dungeons and dragons or the ways that D D has uh lit them up in ways and have helped fuel their creative endeavors as well. So I think just for me, getting to talk to these extremely passionate, inspiring people every single week that just are there to talk about the ways in which the job that I get to come to every day is like fueled their passion and like, you know, given them the sense of purpose or a sense of community or a sense of identity and has really shaped them in very profound ways. It's 
it's incredibly gratifying. So I, I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. And, um, so I wonder about this because I've got a couple of teenage kids. As you've been doing this, um, how much do you think that it's infiltrated? Because uh, my impression is that it's a lot. The the sort of younger demo as that are coming up now, the teenagers of of this weird modern world. Mm-hmm. That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we have anything to do it with it, a lot, it yeah. will be a lot. Uh, yeah, we're definitely seeing a shift in that there's D and D is starting to skew a little bit younger. What I find interesting, and maybe you you can speak to this as a, the father of teenagers, but I have a nine year old, and his friends are aware of Dungeons and Dragons, and like we're not actively at this. We, well, now we sort of are, but before then we weren't <laughs> actively like you know talking to them about Dungeons and Dragons, but they know it exists. And I don't know if it's just the words dungeons and dragons that get them excited, but there's, there is like this awareness and this curiosity. And even though they're all on their devices and they all have this instant gratification before them and like YouTube and just like constantly scrolling through videos and like not interested. So I'm going to get rid of this and go on to the next and the next and next. There is something really satisfying to them to sit down face to face and just talk and tell stories. And it's like, after nearly 50 years this game still has that hold and like and that ability to really engage with kids and well with adults too but i'm especially especially excited about the way that it still speaks to the younger generation as well absolutely yeah and i'll just uh, second that and that i you know come i i grew up in the 80s and 90s and it was not quite so prevalent nope. to <laughs> Uh, I mean, there was a lot of people playing it. They didn't tell a lot of people they were playing because it was, you know, uh, something that would be, uh, you know, made fun of, uh, to be quite honest. And now it's, you know, let that freak flag fly as much as possible. Um, and I, I am still surprised by it. I, I had um, sometimes students of in journalism classes reach out to me as the communications manager of Dungeons and Dragons to get uh, interviews. They were, they, you know, they're doing it for a class assignment. Usually it's not having to do with anything pretty high stakes. They just want to, uh, you know, get this assignment ready for their class. And I had one experience a few months ago where the student asking me was like, can you just tell me why every single person I know is playing Dungeons and Dragons right now <laughs> on campus? And I was like, well, I did not know that it was quite that popular (laughs) amongst that 18 to 22 year old, uh, you know, age range. But I mean, you tell me why, like, that's amazing. I had no idea. And so there is this idea that there are uh, more people playing than even you or I will interact with and and kind of really understand. Um, And I think that's great because it taps into exactly what Shelly was saying that like, that need to tell stories to gather around, uh, you know, weekly, monthly, however, you know, scheduling wise, you're able to make it happen, um, and 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 share that that bit because it is something that is that is missing in other parts of society right now. Well, I feel like there's such a flexibility in what you guys are doing there in terms of the content creation, um, even like Radiant Citadel that just came out. I feel like that really leans into like a big uh, a big tent approach to D and D in terms of like all ages, diversity represented. I just think it's such a great way to take. The, it's funny to call it a product because it's something that's just <laughs> such a free floating, you know, game yeah. out there. But um, do, do, do that seems like something that y'all are leaning into as a company, right? Oh, totally. I mean, I think we and and of Dragon Talk in particular, I think we have really thought about uh, bringing as many people into that tent as possible. When Shelly and I started 
uh, doing this regularly around 2015 when I started at Wizards of the Coast, uh, she and I were not your typical D and D players at even at that time. Like we were not, we did not kind of fit the mold. And I think the the two of us talking and being well rounded people who are you know ex theater majors and writers and and uh, uh, I, I like sports. Shelly sometimes likes to talk about reality TV. We're not like <laughs> we're not the cookie cutter D and D fans. And we found really a great, a lot of fun in bringing other people in who were also, you know, like yourself, when we had you on, we were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe mm -hmm. this, this amazing person who's been playing music forever and ever is also really into D&D &D and loves doing it. And so that's why it has changed the perception, I believe, slowly over time, you know, since, since this podcast has been uh, as regular as it's been uh, on a weekly basis with more than, you know, 400 episodes, um, almost at this point that we can uh, show that you need to have it enriches the D and D table when there are people of different backgrounds of people who have different cultures, different stories, different, you know, cultural notes to bring to the characters that they play. And that just makes it all better. I love that what you guys are doing now with wizards winds up being so journalistic in a way, right? You, you, um, you're sort of processing the community and showing it back to itself, or maybe showing it to people that uh, are contemplating becoming members of the community. I wonder for you when it all started out, uh, like when you were kids, did you imagine that this might be something like this might be a job that you would do? Is Was it ever on the table? Did you know really early that you would be writing a book about Dragon Talk, your podcast that you'd be uh, making? I, nope. Short answer, <laughs> no, actually, no. Um and I will. I am still surprised to this day that I am writing books about Dungeons and Dragons. As a kid, I was. I did not play D anD. D. I really wish I did. I think that I would have been great at it, and I was exactly the kind of kid that would have gravitated towards it. But uh, I did not play. I was not invited to play. There, I have been accused at least once of possibly making fun of the kids who did play. I don't have any recollection of that. <laughs> I will not confirm nor deny that, although I do believe I confirm it in our book. Um, but I was, I mean, I was always writing. I loved writing. And so writing books, I, I, I had always aspired to do, but never in a million years would I have guessed that I would, this would be a, my third book about Dungeons and Dragons. Still blows my mind still to this day. But I love it. I find it to be a very fascinating subject. And I think the people who play this game are are endlessly inspiring. So as long as it's as long as it's out there, I'll I can keep thinking of things to write about. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we do talk about the our origin stories a little bit yeah. in the book itself because it provides a pretty good context. I did not think I would be necessarily writing about Dungeons and Dragons. I had always was a fantasy fan, uh, uh, different than Shelley, in that I loved the Hobbit uh, animated film when it uh, when it was first shown to me. I was probably like four or five. My older brother um, had it on, and he was reading the Hobbit and telling me bits that were not in the adaptation. And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And then seeing the map and that it was for me that it was drawn by the author. Just, uh, I was like, "This is amazing! I can't wait to and be in this world forever." So I, I. Uh, just consumed as much fantasy as I possibly could at a young age. And then, uh, you know, pulling stuff off my brother's shelves. One of them was a dungeon master's guide. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And I started to, to thumb through that and see the artwork and all this, like, you know, very, very tiny text 
that was hard to kind of understand. But I, I did get that it was, oh, you, you can simulate being in this fantasy world. Like this, this is, this is my imagination come to life in some ways. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to play when I was young. My mother was a very, uh, a Catholic mother. And once she realized what I was, what I was reading, she firmly got rid of it and, discouraged me making friends with anybody who played uh, Dungeons and Dragons at all. Uh, so it wasn't until college, uh, after college, when I was living in New York, um, that I was like, hey, no one's no one's telling me I can't play D&D right now. <laughs> so I went out and formed a group. And, and you know, that was the moment where I was like, huh, this this could be this could be a career path could be something I could do. And it started off by writing, you know, RPG material um, for, you know, fourth edition and, and, and trying to break in that way. And then writing about video games uh, uh, in the RPG sense um, was, was how I started, you know, kind of more professionally writing, uh, which eventually led to me getting a job at Wizards. So it, it all, it didn't really come in, in, in to uh, ever being a reality until I was, I was already kind of an adult and could make those decisions. <laughs> So when you wrote this new book, obviously you both grappled a little bit with your own, as you say, origin stories. And I, I wonder, as you were deciding how much to divulge, and then um, even just as you were going through the process of writing this book, how did you deal with the um, the decisions about what to, like, you, you must have felt a little vulnerable telling stuff about yourselves. And um, I wonder how you dealt with that, how you dealt with the sort of uh, decisions about whether or not to... Um, to let people in to to see the the trickier parts of you like i wonder um when it came to like the the negative voices holding you back what tricks have you guys figured out to get past those mm. that's a big question that is a big question what do you think shy i so i write a lot of nonfiction, uh even outside of of D D, and one subject that i'm very passionate about is parenting and especially being a new mom because i feel like there's a lot of a lot of things they don't tell you and that experience for me becoming a mother was very difficult and it was not i was not prepared for the um, emotions that i would be feeling for how unprepared i felt and going into this with nobody telling me like hey it's totally normal you're going to feel like crap a lot of the time you're gonna have some serious regrets about your life choices <laughs> you're you're not gonna be good at this right away i you feel very very alone and uh like you're quietly failing because you don't want to admit these things like they're gonna take this kid away from me if people know how much i'm struggling you know um and then i realized as i was like coming out of this fog months and months later everybody feels that way and that made me so angry. <laughs> so I went on this crusade to just be like, let's just be honest and let's let's just talk. And I think that vulnerability is a, a wonderful way to connect with people. And just even if they haven't experienced the exact same thing, just seeing your genuine self and 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 honesty, and that's really a way to just bring people together. And I'm sure as a musician, you feel that when you're connecting with people through songs. We certainly connected with you through your poetry book, which I told you is still very much in rotation. Um, but I just, I just believe that if people want to pick up a book that I've written, if they want to read a, an essay that I wrote, then I owe that to them as a reader to just to be honest and to be vulnerable and to have that truth out there and just be like, 
this is what you get. <laughs> and I hope that it connects with you in a way. And I hope you can take something away from that because it just feels like that's the relationship that I want to have with people who are gracious enough to spend their time reading something that I'm putting out there. I yeah. love that. I love the emphasis too that you place on honesty that comes up so often in this as being like sort of the most valuable component of what we do as cr people who create things. Yeah. Totally. And I think uh, that's been a uh, tenet of, of Dragon Talk from the beginning. I mean, you know, as I mentioned that we've been pretty open about you know, when we got into it, how we got into it and, and how we don't necessarily, you know, have that cookie cutter uh, experience as D and D players, um, so that was easy, I think, to drop into. And I, I actually took a cue a lot from Shelley as co-author of of her voice, and a lot of that came from I think your nonfiction and writing about the parenting experience and that self-deprecating but also extremely angry at the same time uh, <laughs> voice. That uh, underlying is so funny to me. I know it makes, it makes me laugh. Uh, you're very good at it. And so when I started to see the essays that Shelly was putting together for this book, I, I was like, okay, well, I, maybe I can, I obviously won't be the same, but I, I can get into that same kind of headspace, um, and, and match that style. And I think it ended up being a really kind of, you know, powerful back and forth between the two of us by having our two points of view that kind of still felt unified in, in the voice, similar to the way the podcast is. Um, but one thing that, you know, I was, concerned about maybe still am to a certain extent is how much we talk about the growth of the D&D community and acknowledging the fact that uh it may have been crappy for some people in the 70s and 80s uh who didn't weren't white men uh to be honest right and so we were we were very clear about like we need to show that you know there were some bad experiences we are you know that 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 it happened but that things have changed and shifted and grown uh, over the course of, you know, five decades of people playing this game, that there is folks who, you know, have you know, different color skin, different sexual orientations, different uh, backgrounds, different, you know, coming from different uh, cultures, not just, you know, United States or UK English speaking cultures, and how do we bring those in? Um, and so I was, I was, you know, it, it's a bit vulnerable to describe that as part of, you know, because in our day jobs, we're not quite so, mm -hmm. you know, able to speak as freely about some of those things. So in this book, we do talk about, uh, you know, steps that that we took, uh, both professionally and personally, um, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about, and I think we're the right things to do. But, you know, there is there is a bit of vulnerability there to be like, okay, we, we had to show, you know, there is there were negative experiences that people had, it's not like D&D is, is a solve for all of the world's ills. Um, but you know, it's it, it's a journey, right? And I think that's 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 the through line that is throughout this book is showing, you know, this is where it started, and this is where we are currently. So I love that you've spoken to so many folks who grew up playing D anD D, maybe or maybe came to it late, but it's been a part of their lives. Everybody that you talk to in the book, and I wonder um, if you were to think back on those interviews. Are there a lot of instances where people have gotten through difficult periods in their life by being a part of the community, by playing D&D? &D? Oh, yeah. Those are Absolutely. the ones that really get to us as well. We, and we've ri we have written about a lot of those in here as well. But we, it's amazing because to some people out there who've never played D&D, &D, they're just like, well, it's just a game. It's, it's make-believe. You're just pretending to be elves and wizards. What's the big deal? But to so many people, this game really has given them 
the space to explore their their identity to we've heard stories about people who have come out after playing dungeons and dragons or who have resolved a a question about their gender identity people who have gotten through grief people who have gotten through uh just other like uh, traumas that they're they're processing through playing D&D through ha- like finding this community we write about Jay Tallsquall who's a wonderful uh, inspiring person in the community who's he started the hashtag D&D fitness and it was like this amazing revolution I'm like what is happening here that's why we invited him on because we were so excited to talk to him about how he has inspired this like entire community to be posting about their workouts or people who have never worked out before are now rolling D4s and however many that whatever that number that that comes up on the die that's how many push-ups you have to do today you know and um using like your characters as inspiration for how you would work out that's a, that's an amazing story but through talking to him we also learned about how he was coming to grips with his own orientation and had discovered that he is actually asexual and being a part of the D&D community gave him the courage to really to show his true colors and to actually become a spokesperson and a represent a representative of that community as well so it's like really like wow this is this we get to work every day on a game that's actually doing these things for people and just it's it's truly it's mind-blowing sometimes so yeah it's doing it's doing good work it's it's just it's like it's fundamentally empowering dungeons it is it literally empowering yeah yeah and then another another essay we have in here is from uh our experience in talking to rufus hound uh who is a performer from the uk and we didn't know what to expect going into that one either. I, we were like, oh, it was it was from a, a referral from a, a colleague of ours. I was like, oh yeah, he's gonna be great. He's got a great story. And we're like, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, let's let's just talk to him. And, and we were we're taken on this journey that he had, uh, you know, because he was such a, a great storyteller and improviser in in the interview with us. It was it was very little questions from me or Shelley other than like the you know the middle uh, comments and, and laughs along the way because he had this this great way of, of of telling the story to us and how he needed this game to learn something about himself and he needed to have several and it actually involved music he created a song that his character uh, was going to perform to the other characters to explain the loss of of all of the pain and hurt that he had had uh, that that his character had had uh, over the course of what was going on and then he realizes he himself was actually writing this 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 ode to himself in order to tell him that he needs to get help uh, in dealing with uh, with addictions and other things within his within his life and he's in the middle of telling the story he starts crying we start crying we are all <laughs> like caught up in the fact that he needed this game to create different layers in order to, for his subconscious to tell him something that he needed to hear uh, in a way that he would be, you know, acceptance of that, uh, accepting of that, of that message. Um, and yeah, and that, that, that was one of those essays that just kind of flew off the, off the page for me. Cause I was like, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I just want to kind of convey this story in the best way possible and show that this game that he had been wanting to play his entire life. He had said like, I've always wanted to by his own admission. He said he wasn't smart enough to figure out how to turn, you know, a stack of books and, and some dice into a game. He needed to have someone else be the dungeon master for him and, 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 and teach him how to do it and make it happen. But once he did, he found it so fulfilling that he was able to learn this great lesson about himself and 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 kind of move on with his life from there and that only came from from playing D&D which was 
boggling, mind boggling for us. We're like, that's what a great way to, uh, uh, to have that experience and then create a piece of art around that experience. And that's something that's, that's also kind of a through line through many of these storytellers is that they are, they are creators in their own way in different disciplines. We, we had talked to Devin Rue, who creates maps as a cartographer and, 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 and how those are her way into the storytelling of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, people who do cosplay or, uh, who, um, uh, you know, write stories or authors in their own right, uh, you know, based on all the things. And that's, that's another part that I just love about this, this community is that it's all about, uh, finding ways to lift up your creative endeavors in the game and outside the game. Boy, and, and just the the idea, it's funny because I think there there will be people that listen to this that have never been around D&D or folks who play D&D. And to hear it described as we have so often in the course of this conversation as a community, it really it really feels like that, right? It really feels like when you meet someone else that plays D&D, there's, there's such a shared I don't know, like almost a shared history, a shared knowledge of these other worlds that it it, it brings you together, and it uh, it it's such a positive thing. And I feel like that's probably the biggest takeaway from your book is going to be just this this really sweet, positive world of people who are trying to build something together. Totally, yeah. And we think this book is good for those who are who might be listening who are D and D curious, right? You might have seen it on stranger things or heard, you know, uh, you talk about it or anybody else in your life say that they play and, and, and be like, Oh, well, that, that seems kind of cool. I want to learn more. I think this book probably better than picking up the player's handbook dry, uh, is, <laughs> is a really great introduction into what this community is and what it means. Right. And, and have the context of 50 years of history around it too. We start off the book with like a little bit of, um, you know, a, a casual way of talking about it, but a history of like, here's where it began, here's where it started, here's how here's how AD and D is different than third edition, is different than fourth, and then you know, now of course where we are now in uh the fifth edition era. But like it, it's a I think this book is a great guide to folks who might want to join this community of people who just want to lift each other up. Yeah, you know you're gonna get readers that are interested in one of the, you know, guests that you've interviewed or someone whose story you're telling in the book and maybe they don't know anything about it. I love it. I, I think this will be such a sweet um entryway for so many people. Um I hope so. so I wonder for you guys individually, I mean you've you've both wound up with these really cool jobs, right? I I, <laughs> I think they're cool. I think they're I good. do too. I agree. <laughs> There's a bunch of people in the world that would yeah, would agree. So I wonder for you. If you were um, going to share some wisdom that you've accumulated over these years and you were to meet a 21-year-old version of yourself working in today's world, living in today's world, uh, and this isn't necessarily job-related or personal, or but just whatever pops into your head, what advice do you think you might give this 21-year-old version of yourself? Oh, gosh. Do you have something, Greg? What popped into your um, head? Yeah, I, I've been a lot of weird things in my life, in my career, right? I started, <laughs> I moved to New York and I became uh, a theater carpenter right off the bat. I was building sets for shows on New York Theater Workshop and other downtown theaters and then kind of moved into stage management and got tired of making other people's shows work. So gave that up to be a secretary. I was a secretary at, a, at financial institutions for a long time while I was doing my art <laughs> Uh, in, in the evenings, you know, I was doing stand up comedy at that time. I was producing my own plays. And then that's when I started playing D and D. Uh, and the group that I talked about earlier, I ended up making a lot of professional 
connections with other people in that group who have gone on to uh, we wrote uh, D&D books together. One works at Paizo now. Uh, another one uh, I uh, we d- produced a play with uh, in downtown as well. Like So we had all these weird, and it all kind of stemmed from that group. Um, but the opportunity came, right? And so then when I moved to tr- games journalism, that was really great. And I did that career for a little bit. And then I moved to doing, on the other side, uh, the PR side, when that opportunity came up. So what I'm trying to say is you don't, you can't really trace your career path. At least I, I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to go from A to B to C to D, but when I was always doing things and always putting my energy out there in the world creatively, that once the opportunity came, I had enough experience or, or the right connections or the right mindset to take those opportunities. And so that's when I, whenever people ask me like, Oh, how did you get this job? What's your career path? You know, how can I do what you do at, at, at Dungeons and Dragons? I'm like, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm just saying, do everything, you know, uh, and that, that doesn't mean just, you know, scattershot, do everything you possibly can, but do the things that you're passionate about, do the things that are speaking to you at that moment, because it's all learning. It's all going to give you the the right tools that you're going to need when the opportunity strikes to potentially move up and, and do the next thing. So that's, that's my big advice is to, uh, you know, drink, drink the potion when you have it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Don't a, wait wait for later. It sounds like there was a lot of trusting your instincts and a lot of being brave in there. Yeah. It didn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Always. You know, it felt like I was very much like, oh no, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Like there's a lot of self-doubt that went through all those things. But looking back, it was a little bit of like, yeah, no, you just gotta jump. You gotta jump when you can. Um, because that opportunity, you know, may not come again. Funny, I sort of stepped on your line there, but I hope my producers hear it and pull it as a pull quote because I love that. Drink the potion when you have it. Don't waste it. That's that's really good. But not it's, literal I, potions, kids. <laughs> that's for all those people who play, uh, you know, JRPGs or whatever, and then end up finish the game with like 199 health potions or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like you got to use them. You got to use them. They're they're yeah. they're meant to be there to be used. Yeah. I think we can learn a lot from our D&D characters as well. Mm. If we live your life like your character would, like they don't say no to adventure. They don't like somebody comes to them with a quest. You're like, hell yeah, let's go. And I think in, if I could go back to my 20s and have that mindset, then I there would have been a lot of more a lot more opportunities I would have taken that I there's a few regrets that I have there. And I think fear held me back or just the idea of the unknown and like, oh, I'm like overthinking. And it's like, no, just, just try it. Just do the thing. Don't worry about the steps that are so far in the future that they may not even happen. Just live, take, live your life like a D&D adventurer. Take the quest, go explore. Sometimes you're going to take a path that's going to be a dead end. No bigs. Sometimes you're going to take a, a path that's going to result in a whole lot of treasure and also keep your friends close have that support system like your dnd party would support each other be excited for other people's successes do not measure your own success against someone else's success that is not how this works and just be be an adventurer i love that although yeah. i i'm i'm thinking right now about a certain tiefling warlock in my group that i wouldn't <laughs> I hope I hope he doesn't live like his character in real life because 
He's straight up murder hobo. Oh yeah. <laughs> really take a good look at your D and D character before you decide to emulate their lives. Funny. I also had have a character that was a tiefling warlock. Um, not a murder hobo, but I probably wouldn't. She probably wouldn't be the the life that I would walk in. <laughs> Just flirting with the dark side. <laughs> Maybe even like a little more than flirting. Like in a relationship with, I say. <laughs> oh, no. A committed relationship with the dark side. Monogamous with the dark side. <laughs> well, and and just a plus one on that too. I think that was something I learned through in in bringing so many people into the D and D community through the podcast, but also through our our marketing efforts around Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it's it's something I mentioned in the book. But Matthew Mercer, who is in many ways one of the most uh, uh, recognizable figures in the D and D community. Uh, if you know, you know, um, as a voice actor and he was in one of our first events, uh, that we ran in Seattle where we brought some of these folks who were doing streaming video for the first time face to face. Like they were like, Oh my gosh, I get to meet, you know, uh, uh Chris Perkins who does stuff with the acquisitions incorporated. I get to meet, uh, folks from across the pond, uh, uh, Mark, Mark Humes from high rollers was, was there. And, um, Matthew Mercer said like, wow, I don't think I've ever been with this many people who all have imposter syndrome <laughs> <laughs> and to, for him to say that at the top of his you know game at the time really was was eye-opening for me like I, I will never forget that because every everyone around him including people who uh uh you know have have the respect of their peers and everything were like holy shit, yeah we are you know i didn't think this was possible i didn't even think we would uh, i i should be here like and recognized in, in quite this way and we get that every week when people come on dragon talk still they're like oh my gosh i can't believe you invited us to to tell their experience and talk through it and i love that i love that idea that we're all think we're pulling the wool over everyone's eyes out there and there is something about D D players that do that a little bit more on the regular, I think, because we do that each time we sit down at the table. We're always putting on a different face. We're always uh, pretending to be the impetuous adventurers that we are embodying. Uh, and uh, I think, if, yeah, I, just to plus one what Shelly said, I think if we did that more in our lives, you know, that's, that's, you might roll a 20. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah. it's cra it's crazy and heartbreaking how often that comes up in these conversations that I have that people suffer from imposter syndrome or, or some version of that. You know, I think Roseanne Cash in the very first interview I did for this mm -hmm. brought it up, and I'm I'm thinking of all the incredible stuff she's done as a musician, as an activist, as a mom, as a writer, and for her to not see how great she is, you know, but. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe these people that really are so great, maybe a lack of um, vanity is is part of why they are so great. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, I will recommend to folks, uh, if they want to work backwards, one of my very first maybe dozen guests on the podcast was Chris Perkins, who's uh, who's the head cheese over there at Wizards of the Coast D&D world. Right. Lead story architect uh, who is... I think the longest tenured member of the design team, uh, making yeah. making D and D happen for many decades. Boy, yeah. it makes sense, and it's a great interview. But this has been a great interview, and I'm really grateful that you guys gave me the time today. And I think people are going to love this. I, I hope that we can bring a few people into the fold. And I um, I really appreciate talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, this we, was awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate being here. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. 
That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.